You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into another edition of the Nick Bob Podcast, live from the AOI Studios, aka my basement office. And one of the things I love about this office, not only the, cha- the the table that's fantastic given by the good folks at AOI, but the chair that I am sitting in that the good folks at AOI hooked me up with. It's the Aeron chair from Herman Miller. Uh, I-, I can be down here for hours watching film, doing game prep, different things and feel comfortable the entire time. This chair is mastered with the latest research around the science of sitting, advancements in materials, manufacturing, and technology. If you're looking for a new chair, highly recommend the Aeron from Herman Miller. Check out AOI on the web, aoicorp.com. That's aoicorp.com or give them a ring, 402-896-5520. Reminder, subscribe to the podcast. Just click that subscribe button. That way, anytime you drop a new pod, boom, it is waiting for you right there on your phone. Leave a five-star uh, rating and review while you're at it. Well, it is part two of my podcast conversation with Doug McDermott. Uh, By now, you've listened to part one. Uh, You've gotten tons of unbelievable uh, insight and anecdotes uh, from the mind of Doug McDermott throughout his career. Uh, and and it's uh, it's was was a, an amazing one, one of the most decorated college basketball careers in the history of the sport. Three time All American, uh, National Player of the Year, three thousand point score, just unbelievable. So you know what? I'm gonna stop yapping. Let's get to it. All right. Here is part two of my amazing chat with the all time leading scorer in the history of Creighton basketball, the greatest Blue Jay of all time, Doug McDermott. There is something therapeutic and like I always tell people if I had like, you know, the whole thing, like if you had 24 hours to live, what would you do? I just think I'd block out an hour to be alone in a gym with a ball. Like it's one, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. It's the best feeling, you know, just, just having just you in the gym. You know, yep. sometimes guys are like, you sure you need a rebounder or like that? I'm like, no. <laughs> nope. I want to be, I wanna be out there by myself. And, yep. uh, just envisioning game like situations. Yep. It's just the crowd. And, um, there's nothing like it. You feel you feel amazing leaving there. It just builds up your your confidence too. Uh, junior year, I circled three things. Uh, or really two. I remember hanging 84 points on Wisconsin in Vegas. Like people got to remember that just didn't happen. Like scoring 80 on Wisconsin was on Bo Ryan's team. Like that was like unheard of. <laughs> and then yeah. the 41 points you had against Wichita State on Senior Day when they were really good. And it clinched a share of the Missouri Valley Conference title. Th- those two things blew me. Like those were two things that stood out to me about that year. What any, do, you, do you remember those two moments? Yeah, for sure. I uh, I kind of forgot about the Vegas one. That, that was impressive. You know what we did to to Wisconsin, and you know they they usually grind it out, and like they had a change there. They had adjust their style to us the way we were getting up and down, and you could you, you tell they're just kind of rattled by it. Um, but you know, they had such a good team with Bergeron and, uh, Decker, Decker was Jordan a freshman, Taylor, Decker, yeah. all those guys Kaminsky was like yep. a freshman. Yep. Um, they had a lot of talent on that team and, 
I, that was huge for our group because, um, you know, just beating a Big Ten team like that in Vegas was, was huge for our group. And then, like you said, the Wichita game, um, you know, to win the title, to win yeah. the title at home, um, that was that was probably, I mean, people always ask about, you know, the atmospheres and stuff. And I think that I put that one right up there for, our, for us, you know, just playing against a rival like that, um, having those boys come to town, you know, Sometimes they like to talk a little, yeah. and you know, I think that was uh, that was one of my favorites um, that I was ever a part of. People were asking me about the one more year and all that stuff. And, right. You know, we just went out there and put on a show, and you know, and got to hold that you know Missouri Valley Conference title um, and cut down the net in our own arena. That's something you don't get to be a part of very much. So okay, so you bring up the one more year. No, let, let's get to now the the big decision you're going through the pre-draft process getting you know evaluated all those things take everybody behind the scenes of uh, on your decision to stay what would all went into that yeah um you know you towards the end of the year you know i i, I felt like you know i was a first round pick and you know whenever teams are telling you that going through the evaluations you know they think you're going to be this range i thought there's um no chance I'd, you know, slip to the second. So I, I definitely had to think about it. And, uh, it took me a lot longer than I thought it would. Um, you know, just cause it's always a dream to play in the NBA and, you know, we were getting the, the feedback and, you know, everyone's telling me it's, it's a weak draft this year. Next year's way better. All these Kentucky freshmen are coming in. Um, this would be the time to go. Um, you know, if you want to be a first rounder and I honestly took that a, a little to heart. I'm like, well, I think I can be a first round pick next year too. You know, I, I, I don't care what the draft looks like. And, you know, I, I almost use that as a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. I remember it came down to the one of the final days where, uh, I was going back and forth, back and forth. You know, teams were telling me maybe we'll take you here, this, that, but there's no fully guarantee. Um, and I just, I just remember walking in, you know, to my dad's office and, you know, having rats right there the next door at the old gym. We were going over just the draft four times, looking at names, like looking at next year's draft. And I'm like, you know what? Like, screw this. I- I'm coming back. I just, it just finally all hit me. I'm like, you're going into the big East. Yep. This could be a chance to, you know, take Creighton to a next, the next level. Um, I want to be a part of this. And I was just, my dad was like, are you sure? I'm like, <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. He, he got up in his chair so fast. He said, All right, let's go to Bruce's alley, Bruce's office. And, uh, I, I'll never forget that walking in, telling Rass, and all of us like hugging and celebrating. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm I'm officially coming back now. So uh, that was God, that was a, a funny day, and um, you know, just going to class afterwards, just kind of solidified it. I'm like, this just feels right. I was right. not ready, um, you know. I was so happy to be coming back. So uh, a couple of things with your senior year. The Marquette game, New Year's Eve. The first Big East game, the atmosphere. I remember you scored first possession, you hit a three, and you were – because Jamil Wilson was maybe running his mouth to you, and then you were running – like, they were – remember, they were – it was buzzer. They were doing push-ups during the jump ball. Like, (laughs) they thought they were going to come in and punk you guys, and you guys punched them right in the mouth. That – that – I. There are a few moments you remember, and like that first Big East game, New Year's Eve, that was pretty special. That was special. The only part I'm mad about was we had like a curfew afterwards. We had to go out <laughs> to the Marriott and 
by crossroads. Like we couldn't do oh, anything no. after the game. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> it was awful. We, we were we were just so excited um, beating those guys, and just the atmosphere there was insane because it was dull. I mean, it was whatever it was a late crazy. game on yeah. New Year's. Oh man, people um, were lit up. So yeah, so it, it was awesome, and you know, I still talked to a guy actually from Marquette that he was a walk on on that team, and he said he was me during uh, <laughs> scout team for okay. that game. Yeah, and he said we went over that play probably 50 times the first play you guys ran the stacks play where yep, you didn't yep. get a three at the top of the key and they still messed it up like <laughs> so <laughs> i always got a kick out of that he tells me that all, all the time they literally went over it like before the game like talked about it in the huddle before the tip off all right here's coming and then boom and he said from there you could tell just they were all messed like, up uh-oh. and didn't know what to do with me and Ethan. And right. um, I always get a huge kick out of that. I remember the – I think I've told you a story. I don't know if I have, but or, or pretty early in the conference schedule, uh, you guys played at Seton Hall. And mm-hmm. I was doing like the pregame radio, and a Seton Hall fan kind of grabbed my, my shoulder, and I turned, and he's like, hey, hey which, which one's McDermott? Which one's McDermott? I'm like he he's he's right there. He's got the T-shirt on, and he looks at you, and he looks at me, and he goes, "That's it? That's McDermott? You kidding me? He's there." <laughs> and then you you had one of your classic like first five minutes of the game. You had like eleven or twelve like instantly, and he was sitting like two or three rows behind me. And I'm a like after seeing Hulk on timeout, I turned I took my headset off and I turned and looked at him. I went, "He's pretty good, isn't he?" And he went. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> I said, yeah. I, just, I remember, I remember that. That, but that was kind of like the reason I tell the story is I do feel like there was that was a microcosm of like still the bit there still was an element about you that people are like, nah, we don't need to double, man. This guy, we can we can shut him down. There, there was a little arrogance at times that first run through in the Big East of teams feeling like it, they can handle you. Yeah, I think that played to my advantage a lot. You know, I think. You see that a lot, you know, with in in warm ups, you can just tell in the pregame warm ups, you know, guys are kinda of looking down at you laughing, like, Oh, we got this dude, like you know, everyone's kinda of clapping in your face. Right. Like and I I always use that as motivation. Like it got me so locked in to play the game because I just felt like these dudes think, you know, they're gonna shut us down. They're gonna shut me down. And um I just I love that as as motivation and right. you know I think that Another funny story, just kind of similar to your um, Seton Hall one, um, on a different level. The, we were at Villanova, the Rocky game, yep. uh, where it exploded. Uh, we're in pregame warmups, and we're at the Wells Fargo Center, and yeah, there's this little kid sitting on the sideline. Um, you know, and you know those Philly kids, and they kind of yep. they say whatever's on their mind to you, you know. And we're we're going through warmups, and like none of us could make a shot. Like, this kid was like, miss, miss, oh, like, laughing every single time. And, like, he was just pissing us off. Like, yeah. And it, it was just hilarious. And I remember uh, stepping onto that floor when we saw the start of the game and Rocky hit, like, seven threes in a row. So, Hen was hitting, he was hitting, I was hitting. And I remember looking over that kid and smiling at him, and he was just bawling. He was no! bawling to his mom. And like all this stuff, and I was kind of like I was bullying him maybe a little too oh, much. Oh, but he deserved and, it. Uh, yeah. I, he deserved it, man. He was going at us in warmups, and I'll never forget that. I went up and talked to him after the game, and like gave him like a I forgot like a t-shirt or there something. But that that was hilarious. It, it it really 
kind of got us all going because we were all just like, can this kid shut the hell up? Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of sparked that night. That was that, you know, I know we've, we've said this a million times, boy, that was a game to remember. I mean, yeah. that, that night was one of the most incredible. I, I, I think you guys made your first nine threes. You made 14 threes in the first half. It was. I don't think people. I could try to do it justice with the what the vibe in the arena was like, but it was mm-hmm. unbelievable. And then Ethan, it, there was one trailer three he hit in the first half that was literally closer to half court than it was the three point line. It was just like that game was like a culmination of all you guys' skill sets coming together and exploding to me. For sure, yeah. It's it's just one of those games where. You know, you got to throw it on the highlights at least, you know, a couple times a year just no, to kind of remember that, that that night actually happened. Like, it's, it doesn't seem like it was real what, what Rocky was doing. And I remember talking to Jay Wright at like a USA practice a couple summers ago, and he was like, still just couldn't <laughs> believe it. Like, he's just like still shook over it. And uh, we got a big kick out of that. Um, Senior night, we've talked about this before, but it's good. I mean, senior night, 45 points, Providence, you go over 3,000. We t- you were you were on a mission, right? Like, when the game started, you had, like, a, you were going for the jugular and going for 40. Like, that was on your head, right? It was, you know, and people ask me about that all the time. I honestly, like, I don't remember that night very much. I was so locked in. I was so nervous. I was so nervous the night before because um, everyone's, reminding me how many I need, you know, people are asking me in the media, you know, you need 27, whatever. I'm like, I don't think it's possible. I just, I tried downplaying it as much as I could. And honestly, I was more nervous for my senior night speech after the game because I hate public speaking. I was like, I was so like locked into the post game festivities, like having to do a senior night and all this stuff. And I, I kind of blacked out, and I just I remember being as aggressive as I could, as, as I could possibly be. And once we got off to that you know fast start, I was like, dang, this is this is this is gonna happen. You know, that night couldn't have gone any better um, for you know, the fans, our team. It was just an unbelievable night. So unfortunately, I do got to ask about the Baylor game because that's one of the you know in the NCAA tournament. It's one of the most. It was just the one thing I've learned is I've like continue to grow through sports and all that stuff is like you can live with results as long as you play how you're capable of playing like if you play how you're capable of playing Mm -hmm. and you lose that you shake hands whatever it's just that that game it felt like that game was over in the first like three minutes they hit a bunch of threes you guys got flustered with the zone what do you remember about that the Baylor game yeah just so deflating you know I think I don't think you uh, you know you, you can practice against zones, but you can't um, you know practice against Isaiah Austin and Corey yeah. Jefferson at length. You know it's once you're out there, it's like dang, you can't even pass. Like you got their, their hands are everywhere, their arms are so long, um, and they kind of just had us had us battled. You know because there's a couple of guys scouting report wise that hadn't shot at particularly great on the year from three, and they come out and hit you know their first you know, six or seven shots and they're just deflating, you know, and I, I just, it's, you got to tip your cap to them because they play that hell of a game. And I mean, I just wish we could have right. played some of our basketball that, that they're accustomed to. And, you know, we just, we never had seen a zone like that with that kind of length, you know, it's different, you know, going against, you know, the scout team for Creighton, yep. um, trying to 
do the Baylor zone and you get out there and it's just, you can't, you can't get anything you, you want. And, uh, it, it was just, it was tough. You know, I, I wish, uh, I wish we could redo that one. Um, but unfortunately you can. And, uh, just the way, it, just the way, it, um, you know, the ball bounces at times and, you know, we tried to flush that from our memory and just really embrace in the locker room after the game, uh, about the run we went on, you know, the last four years is incredible. I wait, two, like two or three things. And we'll let you run Dougie. Thanks for your time. That, uh, no, you're good, man. the, the, I mean, a special group. I mean, Ethan Rocky, Jahins Managa, Grant Gibbs, Austin Chapman. You mentioned Gregory, uh, Avery Dingman, Will Artino. Like I miss. I mean, even Doc Dorwart. The uh, the you know. I mean, great guy behind the scenes. Like, what what do you think clicked for you guys? Like, what made made it work? Because you guys, it wasn't just you and Gibbs that had chemistry. Like all of you guys had it. Absolutely. Yeah. It just it was such a good collective group of guys and you know i think um me and gibbs know each other from iowa and um him and ethan being roommates and me and Jahens being roommates and i think that's the beauty of being at a place like creighton you know such a small tight-knit um campus where you're you're hanging out with each other a lot you know we all live really close to each other um everyone got along there wasn't a single guy that came through um the four years i was there that you know we didn't get along with and you know, I think you bring in a guy like Devin Brooks, you know, a guy from, you know, Harlem, New York, and he fits, he fit right in with us. You know, it's one of those deals where our culture just kind of took over and we were able to, you know, bring up the guys from different backgrounds, um, you know, to a team that, you know, had a great culture. And, um, I think it starts with, um, Gibbs and I think the walk-ons deserve a lot of credit for, um, how, uh, how the culture was built, you know, with Dorwer and Ross, and Taylor, mm-hmm. Derek, you know, go down the line. Um, those guys busted their asses every day in practice and uh, made it tough on us. And even guys like uh, Cross, you know, yeah. guys that were there, you know, my freshman year. Um, I mean, our scout team is probably better than our <laughs> our actual team. Yeah. Uh, our freshman year with Croft and Gregory and um, Gibbs and, um, Cody Engel, just yep. so many guys that um, went through the program that um, you know don't get a whole lot of recognition, but deserve uh, deserve a lot of uh, um, our success that we had. I think a lot of guys appreciate their head coach more after they're done playing for him. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of human nature. What what's that been like with with your dad? Now that you've kind of been away from him and you've played for a bunch of different coaches, and you can reflect. What do you appreciate or admire about Greg McDermott and his coaching? Um, yeah, just his style. You know, he uh, he really allows his assistant coaches um, to be themselves. And, you know, it, it was just cool just being around, you know, guys like D-Rock and Lutz and, you know, the whole, you know, the whole gang. Just yeah. The way, the, way he, the way he runs the program, um, you know, always has us out in the community, you know, he almost takes basketball second, you know, he's always set us, he always sets stuff up for us to do stuff in the community, go visit a, you know, a sick man or, you know, someone on their last days of their lives or going to visit a kid at hospitals. Um, that stuff always came first with him. And, uh, you know, I think, um, that, that just shows how good of a, a man he is. He's still doing it to this day with his teams and guys just love him. You know, he just, he's a great guy to play for. Yep. Um, you know, he can be tough at times, but 
at the end of the day, you know, he's always got your best interest. And, uh, I think, I think the program's still going to take off. I think they're, they're really close to making that, that, that push. And, uh, you know, I could, I don't think there's a better guy that could be leading them, um, than him. Good chat on this, Dougie. Everybody's got their own story and trail and journey, but were you ever, and maybe even subconsciously influenced by guys like Kyle, guys like Tolliver, guys like Nate Funk, who were like you in the sense that they weren't highly touted guys that everybody was uh, had a million offers and, and all that when they arrived at Creighton, but they achieved everything they wanted and more at Creighton. Like, Creighton, mm-hmm. like to me, Creighton's kind of made its – when I think of Creighton basketball, a part of it is like they take diamonds in the rough, they take guys that not a lot of people wanted, and – those guys come through the program and, and explode. Do you think somewhere in your subconscious that was like rooted in there? Absolutely. And that's, that's when I, you know, my freshman year, just walking down those halls and seeing the photos of, you know, Kyle and Sixers Jersey and Anthony and um, whatever Jersey he was in at the time, yeah, he's played for uh, team. Just, yeah. just seeing uh, the, the blueprint that they've set and, you know, following their careers, being a little kid, um, in Cedar Falls watching those teams usually heartbreak, you know, the Panthers, you know, I always <laughs> hated trade when I was young because I saw these guys, um, Nate Funk, you know, Ryan Sears, um, Nick Baugh, yeah, you know, right. uh, just, uh, <laughs> just, just all these guys, uh, you know, that, that set the blueprint and being from Iowa too, with Nate and, and Kyle yep. and Sears, you know, I think I just felt like it was kind of destiny when I, when I showed up and, um, had a good freshman year. I'm like, I can really, I can really do this. I can play at the next level. Um, you know, if I put my mind to it and, uh, Kyle, you know, made it possible, you know, for all of us and, uh, someone that obviously we all look up to, um, as a player, but, you know, more importantly, as a person with, with everything he's, he's done and impacted, um, the world. Well, Doug, I mean, you need to really, really try to go into sponge mode and soak everything up because you have no idea the thrill you provided everyone for four years, man, is an unbelievable career. Uh, congratulations. I've told you a million times. It was, uh, I can't provide a front row seat to all 3000 points of, of watching you, man. So, uh, I, I appreciate nope. you and, and soak it up this weekend, man. Absolutely. Will do Nick. I really appreciate, uh, everything you've done for me and, uh, really excited for your future too. Um, as a, as a broadcaster, and uh, I'm glad we could be a part of, uh, of all this together. Thank you, Dougie. I appreciate you, man. Yep, no problem, Nick. I'll talk to you. See you, Dougie. Oh, Media Production.